Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here's the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Davids. I had planned to do a rant to begin this program because of some of the correspondence I've received over the last uh, week or 10 days. Uh, but some of it worked out this morning, so I'm not quite in the ranting move. I will say this, though. The uh, thing that annoys me is a number of my books, of course, are on Amazon, and people write reviews of them but they don't bother to read the books. And you can tell by the reviews because they say stuff that is not true about the books. The worst one was the guy who looked at Roswell in the 21st century and said, this story, this book is untrue because there are no aliens. Well, if you'd read the book, he'd have understood what I was saying. And I think that would have uh, alleviated some of the problems. Anyway, I was going to do a big long rant about that, but I'm not going to do it now. I'm done ranting, I guess. I'll be joined in just a moment by Paul Davids. 
He is a noted film producer, director, and author. He is one of the first 15 fellows at the prestigious American Film Institute Center for Advanced Film Studies in Los Angeles. Paul's interest in flying saucers as science fiction dates back to his childhood growing up in the 50s and 60s. That interest intensified as he met and later worked with some of the greats in science fiction in Hollywood, including the likes of George Pal, who did War of the Worlds, if you all remember, which was groundbreaking at his time. Um, Robert Wise, the day the earth stood still, and it's always, it's always cracked me up that Robert Wise did a science fiction movie because you think of him doing all these other kinds of films. So that's wonderful. Uh, Forrest J. Ackerman, who was a uh, editor of Famous Monsters and uh, Filmland magazine, he, um, was quite a force in science fiction. Uh, Forrey Ackerman, I had a pleasure of talking to him a number of times. So Forrey Ackerman was well known to those of us who were in science fiction for a long time. He's uh, done Marvel Productions. He was a uh, production coordinator for almost all of the original Transformer episodes, Lucasfilms. He wrote uh, for Star Wars and Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, who hosted Paul's documentary film, The Sci-Fi Boys. 25 years ago, Showtime released the very popular and Golden Globe-nominated TV film Roswell, on which Paul served as executive producer and co-writer, and it was based on my book, UFO Crash at Roswell, and some of the other research that Don Schmidt and I had done. Paul was invited to be the keynote speaker on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of the White Sands Missile Range Pioneers, where he uh, presented to the founders of America's rocketry programs the best evidence that Earth is in fact being visited from realms unknown. Paul has produced and or directed 10 feature-length films, both dramas and documentaries, mainly distributed by NBC Universal International Television. His 2016 feature, Marilyn Monroe Declassified, streaming at Amazon Prime, includes a UFO angle that impacted the iconic actress's life. Paul is also a noted artist whose work can be seen at www.pauldavids.com artist.com. I'd like to point out one thing. Normally I get a really short biography, but this book we <laughs> all sent was, uh, it was important. And I thought uh, I should read the whole thing, but I did take out a paragraph and Paul will understand why I did that in just a moment. Paul, welcome to a different perspective. Good to talk to you again. We were, <laughs> we were just together in Roswell. I was going to hide that fact, but uh, now that you've blown the cover here, yes, I've known Paul for a long, long time and stayed at his house in uh, California on a couple of occasions and uh, visited with him in Roswell on a number of a number of times. Uh, what I left out here, Paul, and I know that at one point I think you were somewhat of a, a skeptic of UFOs and flying saucers, but your attitude changed one afternoon when your, da when your daughter yelled at you. Would you like to share that with us? Sure. It was February 25th, 1987. As you've said, UFOs and flying saucers were uh, all science fiction for me up to that point in my life. Um, let me sort of set the stage. I had been uh, working as the production coordinator at Marvel on the Transformers shows, and production had wound down. Uh, there had been 79 episodes that I had been uh, coordinator for. And my job came to an end, and I was uh, at home, and I was writing every day. I was working on the script for uh, what became my film called Starry Night. And uh, my daughter then was nine years old. My son was six. Um, they were home from school. It was around four in the afternoon. It happened, I didn't know this at the time, but it happened to be the anniversary of the famous 1942 uh, Los Angeles uh, flying saucer sighting off the coast that resulted in in sort of a, a battle a lot of uh, a lot of weapons fired it's a very famous case so what happened uh, I was typing I had been interrupted uh, by my daughter uh, already a couple times I was trying to concentrate and she shouts down from the second floor from her bedroom daddy come upstairs right now I can see a flying saucer and my reaction was oh god here's the fourth interruption um, it can't possibly be a flying saucer uh, I called up to her and I said you you know what a Goodyear blimp looks like don't you is it a Goodyear blimp would you take another look I don't really want to come upstairs and she just screamed like she was in panic you know daddy get up here right now it's a flying saucer get up here 
so I ran up the stairs, nearly colliding with my six-year-old son as we went in the door to her bedroom. And she pointed out the window, and I looked up into the sky, and as God is my witness, I saw a flying saucer in broad daylight, a classic dome disc. Um, it was shaped like, uh, imagine an upside-down soup bowl on top of an upside-down plate, then met with a right-side-up plate, and then a shallow soup bowl on the bottom. We opened her window and we walked out on the roof together for a better view. And this saucer began to descend. Uh, there were dramatic clouds in the sky. And it was late in the afternoon. As I said, it was around four o'clock. And it came closer to us, closer, descended. And it got to the point where it was over the, it was either directly over the road in front of our house or over the neighbor's house across the street. You know, maybe, I don't know, whether it was 100 or 200 feet above the roof of the house across the street. And it hovered there for a while. And I had never seen anything like it before in my life. It just, it, uh, it just staggered me. Uh, I was seeing something that had always been science fiction to me. And, and there it was. And I had not brought my camera upstairs. I hadn't really expected to see anything. Also, that morning, there had been snow on the mountains uh, by Mount Wilson that you can see from my house in Los Angeles. And I had taken my camera that morning, and this was pre-digital, and I had shot up every, every uh, frame on the roll of film. So I would have had to reload. I would have to get another... Uh, uh, roll of film out of the refrigerator. My camera was downstairs. I wasn't going to leave the two kids. And I figured if I did to try to get the camera, that saucer would be gone by the time I got upstairs. So I, I just decided to sort of compose myself and burn this into my memory and be the best witness I could and recall everything I could about what I was seeing. Now it, it lasted for minutes the maneuvers it made near my house. It was, uh, it had this little wobble to it while it hovered in one position in the sky. But when it flew horizontally, uh, it seemed very stable. The, the wobble wasn't happening. It seemed to be aware of us because the large trees in front of my house and the neighbor's house have kind of a... a at Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone little clearing between the branches and the leaves and it took a position where there was still eye contact with us it was sort of seen in that clearing as it was sort of surrounded by leaves for a while the underside of the craft turned completely black at that point uh, for a brief period of time uh, the sun was glimmering off the the rim of the saucer, sort of an orange glimmer. There was a kind of a shimmer around it, like you would see in a mirage in the desert, you know, where there's heat waves rising above something in the desert. And then it flew down across the valley in front of our house. We're way up on a hill. I think it's almost the highest hill around. And it, it flew down, so now we're looking down at it as it flies over some uh, palm trees. And it continues heading toward a three-story brick building that used to be an old schoolhouse, now is an old tenement. But I, I clearly make out that it was going in that direction, and then in the blink of an eye, it was gone. Well, this is a good place for me to stop you because I have to take a break. Okay. So the flying saucers disappeared. We'll get back to that in just a moment. 
Uh, it's uh, pauldavids.com for his website, pauldavids, I guess, dash artist.com for uh, a look at his artwork. My book, of course, is Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounters in the Deserts about the Socorro case. We will be back right after this, so stick around. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Path Home Shamanic Art School proudly presents the Gathering of Shaman 2019 Fall Retreat, Manifestation Samhain. Join me, Certified Shamanic Instructor Gwilda Wiecka, in the magnificent Colorado Mountains this November 2nd and 3rd for a life-changing event. Participate in unique teachings and ceremonies that will put the power and magic of shamanic manifestation into your hands. Sit in circle with like-minded individuals, sharing group energy and the power it generates. Classes will be held in a facility next to the beautiful, majestic Arkansas River, further empowering the experience. Space is limited, so reserve your spot today. For more information, visit findyourpathhome.com or email touchin at findyourpathhome.com. I am here with Paul Davids. When we left, we were talking about his sighting of a flying saucer and how it had just vanished from sight. And I would imagine at this point, Paul, you decided that uh, maybe there was something to flying saucers, that there was something to believe in. Absolutely. Absolutely. A couple things I didn't mention. It didn't make a sound. Uh, There was no evidence of, you know, normal propulsion in any uh, any respect. It didn't have any uh, portholes or windows. Uh, it, it was completely um, baffling to me, and it, it catapulted me into a state of mind where I began investigating flying saucers seriously for the first time in my life. I had so many questions. I sought out a lot of people, and that eventually led me to you, Kevin, after a series of events. Uh, first, there was a meeting with director Robert Wise, and then later Roy Thinnes, who was the star of the show, Invaders, both of them believers in flying saucers. 
Well, let me uh, let me interrupt. Let me interrupt here because no. I do have a question. Do you regret not going for your camera? It would have been a big mistake to go to the camera. I, I know that saucer would have been gone. It wasn't going to wait around for me. And I couldn't have left my children alone on the roof. You know, what, bring them back into the house? I really, really wish I had had pictures of it, but I don't. You know, I made a drawing. My kids made drawings of it. I took a lot of notes. I did a video of each of my kids, nine years old, six years old, talking about what they had seen. Uh, this was just so, so real to us. And uh, I don't know where that came from. I, 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 you know, it just was a, a completely baffling mystery. But it did, it, it did, you know, uh, dawn on me that um, the previous fall, I think it was November, there had been a very famous UFO case up off the coast of Alaska that I had read about. And this was the case of Japan Airlines flight, I don't know, 1687 or something like Captain Tarauchi. It had been in Time magazine. They had said you could send away and you could get the uh, an audio tape of the interview with the pilot who saw a mother ship a couple times the size of an aircraft carrier off the coast of Alaska, I think near Fairbanks. And he saw saucers coming and going from that mothership. And I had read that report and I thought, wow, it sounds like, you know, there's testimony, there's evidence. And you could send away for the package to hear all that stuff. I think it was a couple hundred bucks and I did it. And I, I went through everything. They had the pilot's drawings, they had interviews. And, you know, that was enough to, as they say, sort of put the fear of God in you and make you think, yeah, th this something really happened there. But then it was out of my mind for a couple of months until February 25th when I had that uh, encounter, if you will. Did you search for other witnesses, neighbors or friends? I did. Uh, it was the first thing uh, that happened after the saucer disappeared. Um, I I got in my car uh, with my son. Uh, it's a it's a quiet neighborhood, mainly Hispanic neighborhood in Los Angeles where we live, and um, there was nobody around on our street at all. But I drove down near that three-story tenement house that the saucer had seemed to be approaching, and I looked around, and it was a you know, it was not a good neighborhood. I mean, there was a couple of guys in a car by this building. It, 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 they looked really seedy and shady. And this little girl, half-dressed, comes out uh, a door of one of the apartments. And, I, and I, I called out to her through a fence and said, you know, could you get your daddy? I wanted to ask if anybody else had seen this. And she turned to look in the hallway uh, and she said, Daddy! There's a man here bothering me. You better get your gun. That was the end of my search for other witnesses that day. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can kind of understand that. I think I would have split myself. <laughs> uh, makes good sense. So this got you, I guess, looking back into more about UFOs and flying saucers than you had in the past. First, I started buying books. Um, every book I could get my hand on, you know, I say the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, and, um, I, I just started reading everything I could. And, you know, I found I had sort of a photographic memory for what I was reading. All of the cases, all of the witnesses, what the bunkers said, you know, the dates, the circumstances. And I just devoured th this stuff, um, quickly book after book after book. And my wife, uh, who is an executive um, in the film business and, and uh, got me um, an appointment with Robert Wise, who not only directed The Day the Earth Stood Still, but also The Andromeda Strain, was another science fiction uh, film he did, uh, in addition to being the editor of uh, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Now, uh, I had the chance to meet with him in his office in Beverly Hills to tell him about what had happened to me and to ask him 
you know, what, what he thought, uh, where should I go from here? He confided in me that when he made the day the earth stood still, that there were visitors from Washington that came out to the set who were important people. He said, you know, security clearance people and, uh, that, that he was told by them, uh, you don't know how close to the truth your film really is. And he said that he came away from the whole experience, uh, convinced that the flying saucers are real and that there are visitations and that it is being kept secret. Well, let me, let me interrupt right here to make one point that I think is very, very important. Sure. And this is the original The Day the Earth Stood Still, not the crappy one with yeah. Keanu Reeves in it. This is one with Michael Rennie and Patricia, Patricia Neal. I don't know why I can't say Patricia today. Patricia Neal, it's the good 1950s movie. It was a brilliant, brilliant movie. I think 1951. Uh, he referred me to Roy Thinnes, who had uh, been the star of a TV series called The Invaders, in which he played a character named, I think, David Vincent. He was an investigator of UFO cases in the TV well, series. Well, he was a, he was an architect to begin, and then he got involved with the with the flying saucers. Yes. And, and let me let me break in here because when I took astronomy at the University of Iowa. Um, I did a term paper on flying saucers because if you did a term paper, you could get extra credit. And I, the, the, the way the class was set up, it seemed like everybody was clustered at the top and I was trying to break into the A category. And so I did a paper and one of the people I quoted in the footnotes was David Vincent. And they never oh. picked up on that. <laughs> you used his, uh, his character name in the film rather than Roy Thinnes, right? No, I, I, I just... There was a deputy sheriff that we'd talked to, and I say we. There, it was, was, uh, there was a David Vincent, really? No, no, saying? it was a deputy sheriff I talked to in, in Florida. We were looking into the um, nonsense of um, the Brooksville case, and we were talking to a, a deputy sheriff there, and he told us that the papers that uh, Reeves had given him, the, the, the guy who'd seen the flying saucer, had given them or shown them, the Air Force had taken away, and when they brought him back, it wasn't the same thing. It was the paper was different. He said it was coated with something. The, the original paper was coated with something like flash paper. It was like flash paper, and what came back wasn't, which always interested me. And but I didn't know the name of the sheriff's deputy. I couldn't remember the name, and we hadn't taken notes. Mm -hmm. it's, and so uh, I just made up the name David Vincent for him, because so, <laughs> I thought it was appropriate, you know, that sort of thing. It it was appropriate. So Roy Thinnes had a personal uh, interest in, uh, in in UFOs, and he he knew Don Schmidt at the uh, J. Allen Hynek Center for UFO Studies in Chicago. Uh, and he came out to my house, and he asked, you know, could he do a report on my sighting? And he would send it to Don Schmidt. So uh, he he walked through, I, you know, I walked him through everything and we, we went out on the roof. I showed him where we saw this and went through the description and he had brought uh, some of what he considered the best UFO books to loan me. Um, one of them was called clear intent, which I do think was a terrific book. He also brought the report on unidentified flying objects by Edward Ruppelt, one of the classics. Yeah, if you're uh, going to do, do studies of UFOs, you gotta, you've got to read Ruppelt's book. There's no question about it. You, and, you have uh, to start. By the way, I have a manuscript here of the unabridged version, the uh, pre-publication version of Ruppelt's book, which has in it the things that were later excised. Uh, I was given a copy of that manuscript. I haven't gone through it page uh, for page, it's on my to-do list. But, but anyway, the, what came out of the uh, meeting with Roy Thinnes, and it, it, he, he told me about the Roswell incident for the first time. I had never heard of it. And when he introduced me to uh, Don Schmidt, Don Schmidt was then beginning to work with you, uh, Kevin. I think that it was uh, at the very beginning of your Roswell investigation at that time. We Do met I have that Roy, right? We, rep, met, uh, we met Roy Finnis at your house a couple of months, three or four months, I think, after um, 
after we'd begun our investigation. So yeah, I'm going to have to break away here because it's that time again. Okay. I'm uh, speaking with Paul Davids. We're talking about his UFO experiences. We're talking about Roy Finnis. We, I'm surprised we haven't talked about him before on this program. Uh, once again, his website is pauldavids.com or pauldavids-artist.com. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and I'll put some information up on the uh, my blog uh, later on as we get uh, to this and a link to the program so you can listen to it again. We will return right after this, so uh, hang around for a while. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. I am here with Paul Davids. We're talking UFOs. We're talking his UFO sighting. We're talking Roy Finnis, whom I've met a number of times, and which is really kind of cool when I think about this. Uh, let me let me just interject here. You know, I didn't see the original Invaders when it was uh, on television the first go around. I saw it in syndication later on. Never did I expect that I would actually meet Phil Roy Finnis. We would talk UFOs, and uh, I met him in Roswell. We had breakfast and dinner a number of times while we were in Roswell, which was kind of a cool thing. I'm sort of doing a UFO investigation in Roswell with Roy Finnis, a.k.a. David Vincent. So anyway, um, you were reading the UFO books, and Roy Finnis had introduced you to Roswell, and things kind of expanded from there? Yeah, he, he wrote up a report on my case. He sent it to uh, Don Schmidt, and Don told me that he would be coming to Los Angeles. Uh, I don't remember whether it was like a month away from that or a little bit more. It was around the time that the investigation of the MJ-12 papers was first unfolding. Again, this was 1987. And so when Don came to L.A., uh, he did his own report on my case for Kufos, and Don is an artist, and he went up on my roof, and he did sketches, and he, he did a drawing of my UFO sighting, as I had described it, which became the cover of International UFO Reporter, along with his article about, uh, about uh, what had happened to me, and, you know, my sighting with the kids. Uh, and while he was here, Don told me, apropos of Roswell, 
uh, he said, I I'm, I'm got a, a relationship uh, with um, uh, Kevin Randall, who has a military background, and we've decided to sort of reinvestigate the Roswell case together, and we want to write a book about our investigation. And he said, I have a 17-page outline uh, for our book. You know, I'd like you to meet Kevin. And uh, you and I met, I think, not long after that, uh, Kevin. And here was the 17-page outline, which eventually became the several hundred-page excellent book, UFO Crash at Roswell, which was eventually published by Avon as a paperback. But at that time, all we had was 17 pages, and I was a, uh, I was a movie producer, um, but uh, my credits at that point were, were limited to the following. Um, the Transformers shows, where I had been production coordinator and a writer. That was a, a lot of shows. I had written a movie called She Dances Alone that had Max von Sydow in it and Bud Court of Harold and Maude. Uh, I had written a number of unproduced scripts that I had tried to get off the ground. Um, and um, I really wanted to make a film about um, the Roswell case. Um, I, well, I kind let of me inter- let me interrupt I, here because yeah. there, there's something I think that is important uh, to give you kind of uh, the, the, the background of the UFO field. Um, I had proposed a book to Avon because I knew an editor there and I had done a, a couple of other books and a lot of articles on UFOs. And um, Don Schmidt and I met Stan Friedman. And if I recall this correctly, we were in a parking lot or a, not a parking lot, but a rest area between Chicago and my home in Iowa. And Friedman was there and he proposed to us that we put his name on our book. His name would go third and he would get a quarter of the money. And it was for his assistance in, in our investigation. His uh-huh. assistance amounted to us telling us things like, oh, don't try to get a hold of Bill Rickett because he's dead. Uh, he, he was not. He was very alive and kicking at that time. Yeah, and Don yeah. tells me he, he called, he called, he found a phone number for Rickett and he called and his wa- the wife answered the phone. And uh, he was asking her questions about it. And she says, you want to talk to Bill? He's right here. And Don was, of course, stunned because he had been told that uh, Rickett was dead. Uh, Friedman, with Bill Moore and uh, Whitley Strieber, as a matter of fact, wrote to the publisher suggesting that we were engaging in stealing other people's research, flights of fantasy, and that uh, we shouldn't be trusted in in our work, Ah. Uh, uh, trying to sabotage the book. Uh, the book did get delayed by a month or two because Avon thought the book of, of uh, on um, I remember this a, a rapper. Uh, what was his name? Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. They're going to put out a, a, a biography of Vanilla Ice, the big rapper. Mm-hmm. And uh, our book did a lot, lot better than the Vanilla Ice book did. But what really annoyed me was they wanted a copy of our manuscript. Mm. And, and my editor wanted to know if I had any objections to it. And I said, but of course. I spent 24 hours on the phone with the, with the attorneys for Avon. Not all at once, mind you, but up to 24 hours until one of the attorneys asked us, do you have tapes of your interviews? And I said, absolutely. And I said, they said, okay, thank you, goodbye. Uh, because we had tapes. And then what turned around, which was really annoying, as Friedman did his book, Crash at Corona, and you find in that book quotes from interviews that Don Schmidt and I had done without attribution, without credit. He just lifted the stuff out of our book and put it into his. And, and uh, a great skeptic in Great Britain, uh, Christopher Allen, who has disappeared off the face of the earth in the last months, which concerns us, had had sent an email and wanted to know, the, you know, the story on that and where where the information came from. And I said, well, I interviewed with uh, Don Schmidt. I interviewed uh, Bill Brazel, the rancher, son of the rancher who'd found the stuff. Interviewed him in Carrizoso, and the quotes were from our book. Uh-huh. And so there was a number of those quotes in their book that they they um, they used without credit or attribution, which really kind of annoyed me. But what was so ironic was he had done to us exactly what he was accusing us of doing to him. Yeah. <laughs> so I give you that little bit of information because what the heck I can. Yep, these uh, these things happen. But at the point we were at at the story, there was no book yet. It was a 17-page outline. And I think most of those or all of those interviews hadn't been done yet. 
it was the inception of your research. The important, and the important what, interview was the one with Bill Brazel. Oh, yeah. Because when we had gone to New Mexico the first time, we were to meet with some people in Albuquerque. It turned out to be a woo-woo new age group. It was a, virtually no help. Mm. We met with Cliff Stone, who went off the deep end and was telling us all these preposterous stories. And I'm thinking to myself, and I said to Don later on, you know, this is just really not going anywhere. Then we met with Bill Brazel, turned the whole thing around. Oh, yeah. He told you about uh, his shoebox full of debris that he collected over the years and how the, the military took it away from him. Like they did absolutely. From his dad. And, well, and, he, um, and so as we were going back to Albuquerque to catch the plane, I said to Don, you know, we can do a book on this, but we have yep. to come back. And we were back in like three or four weeks. So, you know, that's kind of the genesis of the book. And your, and Don's 17-page outline came slightly after that. Well, what, what happened, um, you know, I was saying, okay, I had done the Transformers show and I had done the film She Dances Alone. But I had also been segment producer for F. Lee Bailey on his television show Lie Detector, which was on every day of the week. It was a really fascinating show. It was great working with F. Lee Bailey. He was such an incredibly incredible probing legal mind um, and Ed Gelb who had been head of the American Polygraph Association was connected with that uh, show we would bring in uh, people all the time who would have a story that they wanted corroborated through a lie detector on the air um, and we would either tell them yep you you passed you are telling the truth or you're inconclusive or you know what are you showing up here giving us this crock you know you, you know, this shows that you're being deceptive. So that was that show. We had some really interesting people on, including Betty Hill. And we had a case, uh, an episode with her and her star map. And she came out truthful. I was uh, going to say, I, I, I think no matter what you think of the Betty Hill case, I sincerely believe she believed what she was saying. Yeah. And that's what the lie detector uh, doesn't measured. mean. It doesn't yeah, mean it she, took place in reality. It means that she sincerely believed what she was saying. And I think right. that's a critical point we need to make. Right. Um, so anyway, that was my experience at that time. But I really wanted to uh, make a feature film. I had uh, training from the American Film Institute. It's what I always wanted to do. And a lot of things that obstructed me along the way. Um, so I proposed a deal to you guys for me to have an option on your 17-page outline. And then that would include having an option on your book as it was finished being written. And I would do everything I could and go to everyone I knew in Hollywood to try to launch it as a, a feature or a television movie. And we made that deal in 1989, as I recall, and then had uh, four pretty frustrating years. I mean, I wrote a first draft of a screenplay for it, which had you guys in it and was following investigation. Um and, you know, the whole concept of having a movie about Roswell was being rejected everywhere in Hollywood. Every production company, every network, every studio, I, I say to people, uh, I have a shoebox full of rejection letters of everybody explaining to me is, you know, why this movie should never be made or why they didn't believe it. Uh, so a lot of frustration. But finally, we had a, a series of breakthroughs along with more delays and obstacles. But the first breakthrough was that I found interest from director Jeremy Kagan. Now, he and I had gone to the American Film Institute together as students. Um, and he's an extremely talented director, always was. And right out of uh, American Film Institute, he started doing, um, I know he did television, uh, he did Columbo, he directed. And he started directing a series of, of features, a movie called Heroes, uh, the Journey of Natty Gann. Then he did television movies, one, a great one about Scott Joplin. Paul, I have and to interrupt you again. We're, we'll hold it until after the break. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, once again, I'm with Paul Davids. His website is pauldavids.com. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, which I just can't say enough, I'm afraid. Uh, I mention this almost every show that we do. Uh, the book is Roswell in the 21st Century, which gives the follow-up investigations. We will be back right after this with our final segment.
If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not so secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. I am here with Paul Davids. We're talking, I guess, movies about UFOs now, among other things, the uh, famous Showtime original movie, Roswell, which I actually appear in, but you have to know where to look, and you have to look quick or you don't see me. Um, Paul We're was, also technical advisor on the movie. You were on the set with us as we shot. Uh, and I and, was the military advisor as well. Yeah, yeah, Make yeah. Sure we get, and I can, tell my, I can tell quickly my Kyle MacLachlan story. 
the first day on the set were there and he's in his military uniform and there's things wrong with it. So I fixed the rank insignia on this and I noticed that his gig line was off. He had to adjust the belt. So I reached down to unbuckle his belt and I'm thinking, how many women would like to do this? <laughs> and then I'm thinking, maybe I shouldn't do this. And I said something to him about that. And he said, no, no, go ahead. So I fixed his gig line. So that's my Kyle McLaughlin story, such as it is. Okay. So there you go. So you uh, had, a, I guess, got... I was going to say with Jeremy Kagan. He, yes, he, I was going to say you got Jeremy Kagan involved. Here's, here's, it was his, his take on it. Because he, he was not particularly involved in flying saucers, or the research and, and or, you know, belief in them. But he saw the human element of the story as being the propelling dramatic device for this. And that human element had to do with Major Jesse Marcel, who had been uh, assigned to go out to the debris field, gather the debris, had been the fall guy in the cover story about the weather balloon. He'd been made to look like a fool, couldn't tell the difference between a weather balloon and something extraordinary. And he kept his silence for around 30 years and then went public and uh, said that what we picked up out there in the field, that debris from that crash, it wasn't made on this earth. It couldn't have been. He said, I was familiar with all air material at that time, and this was something from outer space. Well, we should and point out that Jesse Marcel we should we should point out that Jesse Marcel was the air intelligence officer of the 509th bomb oh. group at the time. And oh. so he had he had served in World War II as an intelligence officer. So part of his duties would be familiar with the various um, aviation equipment, the flying stuff that uh, are a competitors in the world and our allies in the world had. So he was familiar with all that sort of thing, including weather balloons and, and the like. Well, he became the uh, main character in the, in the, in the story. And, and Jeremy saw, you know, focusing on him uh, and what he had to go through emotionally in having been uh, made publicly to seem a fool and uh, wanting to know the whole story because he never knew the whole story. He only knew his part of it. So my idea was, let's do the film as a reunion at the military base. 30 years later, uh, Jesse, wanting to go public with what he knows, goes back to the base and reunites with the people he knew then, each of whom has a different piece of the puzzle of the story. Um, and, and, and some of them are telling the story a little bit differently, too, so you get a different, a different perspective. Yes, it's like you're seeing it from different lenses, different points of view, and uh, some of them say that there were um, uh, alien bodies recovered. Uh, uh, someone says one of the aliens was alive. You know, we get every aspect of what has been claimed. The movie isn't saying it's all true. It isn't saying this is exactly what happened. It was never the intention. What the intention was is to show the, the emotional struggle of a man trying to get to the truth when the truth has been buried, suppressed, covered up, and people are only speaking out under uh, duress with, with great anxiety about what they're telling, and they're giving their memories of something that happened long ago. This was the plan for the movie. Uh, and Jeremy and I shared a story credit with Arthur Coppett, who is a great playwright, he, um, we see Jeremy made a deal for us at HBO. He'd made movies for HBO. That was we thought it was going to be an HBO movie, and HBO hired uh, Arthur Coppett to write um, the screenplay. In fact, they had him write about eight drafts over more than a year. We were just waiting endlessly, going through this process. And by the time it was draft five, we had a terrific screenplay, but HBO kept going and going, going to draft eight and watering it down, and it wasn't as good. And then they put the whole thing into turnaround and said, we're not going to make it. We changed our mind. Um, it was one of the darkest days of my life when I heard that. Um, I, was, I was pretty crushed, but one of the producers working with us, Eileen Kahn, said, don't despair, don't give up. We're now free to take it to another studio, another network. She says, I have strong contacts at Showtime. Let's see what they say. And what Showtime said after a process of about six weeks of it going up the ladder there and uh, eventually all the major executives reading it, Showtime eventually said, we want to make this. Let's, we will buy out HBO. Uh, we will do contracts with you. We'll take over the contract that you have with uh, Kevin Randall and Don Schmidt. 
Um, they made modifications to the contract, but um, we had to sacrifice a little in what we expected we would have out of it, but they upped the budget from what HBO was going to do. Um, and they, you know, they, they lavished on us what we needed. They showered upon us everything we needed to make the movie as good as we wanted it to be, including renting the last flying... Um, B-29. Uh, yeah, the B-29 plane, uh, fly the atom bomb. And uh, out of Texas, flew it to the Van Nuys airport where we filmed that World War II post-World War II segment, um, all the period cars, all the costumes, uh, it was fabulous, really. I'm, I'm so pleased with the way it came out and the help we got from Showtime and Showtime's promotion of it. Of course, it came out, it was broadcast in 1994. We had a premiere in Roswell. We also had a showing at the Jet, what no, was it? No, Caltech, at Caltech. It was an enormous amount of publicity. Now, this is 25 years ago. And uh, it's now a classic in the field. It's called Roswell. This was before the television series Roswell. But when they released it to video and DVD, they put a tagline and they made it Roswell, the UFO cover-up. So if you're searching to see it online, look for Roswell, the UFO cover-up, starring Kyle MacLachlan, Martin Sheen, Dwight Yoakam as Mac Brazel, the rancher. And I must say, you know, the collaborative effort you know, for me, in working with Jeremy Kagan, in working with Don Schmidt, and working with you, Kevin, is absolutely one of the most memorable experiences of my life. It, it was great, and the result was fabulous. And I think that, you know, we were pioneers in this. This was the first feature-length film, uh, you know, purported to be about a real ufo case that had all of these military implications and dealt with cover-up that wasn't presented as fiction well, it was I'd the first like, one i'd like to say i was on the set as you well know yeah. and I, I remember one day i got late to the watching the dailies and uh jerry mckagan said oh kevin just came in uh, let's, let's start over I thought that was a wonderful thing for him to do. Yeah. And I also remember on the, uh, I'd said something to him about um, the way that um, they were addressing one of the one of the characters in the movie calling him Mister. And I said that implies he's a ward officer in the military. And Jeremy says to me, "You have to remember one thing: we're making a movie here. We're not making a documentary." I said, mm -hmm. "Okay, I got it." Mm -hmm. And the the other thing was I detected on the set, and I don't know if this. Is universal, but I detected on the set that everybody seemed to be um, really impressed with the project. They were they were enjoying themselves. They knew it was going to be a good project. I knew it was going to be good by being there. And I wonder if there's other movies where they say this is going to be a real piece of crap. I wish I hadn't been involved in it. Oh, that you know, sometimes you, happens. Sure, yeah. You, but you can tell just the way the elements are coming together. It's not going to be very good. But I knew this was going to be a good film when uh, and we, from we what had, I saw. We had great support from Showtime. There were believers <laughs> in the upper echelon of Showtime that agreed with us that this is a story that has to be told, you know, and that believed it, it, it happened. And, and both um, Gordon, astronaut Gordon Cooper and astronaut Edgar Mitchell told me personally and privately uh, after, you know, seeing the movie that uh, we got it very, very close to their understanding of what really uh, happened, that we, we nailed it spot on. And, it, you know, in, in the two things I'd like to do in the remaining time we have, Kevin, one is I'd like to mention some of the other movies I made since then, because it was 25 years ago and I made 10 other movies. Well, please but, do it rapidly, because I'm running out of time. <laughs> okay, okay. So you can look for Timothy Leary's Dead. You can look for the Sci-Fi Boys. Jesus in India, The Life After Death Project, Marilyn Monroe Declassified. I mean, these are all uh, films that after Roswell, you know, it was a, I've had, I've had a, a, a terrific explore controversial stories that were of great interest to me, but it began with this big television production of Roswell. And the one other point I want to make is in the 25 years since then, UFOs on television, whether it's ancient astronauts or other History Channel documents, every 
angle of UFOs and alien life has been explored on television in the 25 years since then. The floodgates opened. But back when we were doing this, there was very, very little that purported to be real about this. And in that sense, I think we were pioneers. We trailed path. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paul, for taking time out to chat with us today. But I got to break away. We're, we're, we've run out of time. Uh, the, the website is pauldavids-artist.com or pauldavids.com. You can see some of the stuff here. We will be back um, with uh, other shows in the near future, including uh, an interview with Travis Walton and things like that. Um, please take a look at the book Roswell in the 21st Century and uh, Encountering the Desert, which is the Socorro UFO case. And look at uh, the xzbn.net for other fine programs that deal with the paranormal. And we will be back in 167 hours with more information about um, UFOs and the paranormal. So look us up.